Are we humans special in our languages and the way that we use them? I'd like to explore that particular idea with lots of reference to the Qur'an, and lots of reference to books in general, and also some cross-referencing between us and the way that other animals use their language as well, in an attempt today just to explore the idea of how language is inherently dignifying of human beings, and in fact how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose to reveal the Qur'an as a book in Arabic and celebrate its eloquence is actually a celebration of human dignity in itself as well. In today's lesson um, and video, I would like to talk a little bit about the Arabic language. I'll quote some things from the Qur'an for you, but I would like a lot of today's video and podcast to revolve around a reading from um, Yuval Noah Harari's Sapiens. I'm not saying that I agree with all of his views, or even the majority of them that are in this particular book, but there is this passage from about tw page 24 until about page 28, which is so directly about language and why human language itself is so unique. So I wanted to do a reading from that particular section of the book for you guys. And we will also talk about some other things around it as well. And I'll illustrate with things in Arabic and from the Quran as well when necessary. So firstly, I'd like to start by reminding us that Allah has said something in Surah Al-Rahman. He begins it, of course, after أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ we seek refuge with Allah from the accursed shaytan, and we say in the name of Allah, the most beneficent, the most merciful. Ar-Rahman, allama al-Qur'an, khalaq al-insan, allama al-bayan. Then we have Ar-Rahman, the most merciful. Ar-Rahman, allama al-Qur'an. He taught the Qur'an. Khalaq al-insan. He created mankind. Allama al-bayan. And he taught him al-bayan. He taught him, perhaps we translate this as eloquence. There is certainly something unique about language in the Qur'an, and in fact, something I found so compelling about Islam when I first started learning about it, is how Allah chooses to chooses to acknowledge human language in the Qur'an and what a blessing it is. You know, it's not a coincidence that Allah describes the Qur'an as a lisan, lisan and arabiyan, it's an Arabic tongue. Because us humans are fairly unique in the sense that we communicate with our tongues. Most other animals, they communicate from their throats. If you look at how lions communicate, well, not necessarily how they communicate, but how they vocalize and how cows vocalize. And most animals really don't vocal vocalize with their tongues. And it gives us a very sophisticated command over language, something which we're quite unique in that sense. And Allah also celebrates the diversity of our languages as well, where he says in Surah Al-Rum, where he says, and from his signs is the creation of the heavens and the earth and the diversity in your languages and in your colours. Um, you know, alwanikum usually gets translated as your complexions, but your alwan is the plural of lawn and means colours. Um, so perhaps it is also in reference to hair colour and things like that too, because that's also pretty remarkable. Um, I don't know many animals that have quite the diversity that we do in terms of hair colour and skin colour as well. Maybe there are, but or maybe they have differences which we are ignorant to. To them it may seem obvious, certain differences that they have, um, but we do not see it. So I'm going to have a little read. Um, I will also give you a little disclaimer. I'm a terrible reader. So, um, you know, I've, I've mentioned before, I, I suffer with dyslexia. Shouldn't be a, it shouldn't be an excuse. But um, there will most likely be stuttering. There most likely will be absolutely horrible pauses where I figure out my life in between sentences. But without further ado, let's have a reading of a short passage from um, Noah Yuval Harari's Sapiens. <clears throat> it was not the first communication system. Every animal known, knows how to communicate. Even insects, such as bees and ants, know how to inform one another of where, the whereabouts of food. Neither was it the first vocal communication system. Many animals, including all ape and monkey species, use vocal signs. For example, green monkeys use calls of various kinds to warn one another of, dang of danger. 
Zoologists have identified one call that means careful, an eagle, a slightly different call that warns careful, a lion. When researchers played a recording of the first call, a group of monkeys, to a group of monkeys, the monkeys stopped what they were doing and looked upwards in fear. When the same group heard a recording of the second call, the lion warning, they quickly scrambled up a tree. Sapiens can produce many more distinct sounds than green monkeys, but whales and elephants have equally impressive abilities. A parrot can say anything Albert Einstein could say, as well as mimicking the sounds of phones ringing, doors slamming and sirens wailing. Whatever advantage Einstein had over a parrot, it was not vocal. What then is so special about our language? The most common answer is that our language is amazingly supple. We can connect a limited number of sounds and signs to produce an infinite number of sentences, each with a distinct meaning. We can thereby ingest more and communicate a more prodigious amount of information about the surrounding world. A green monkey can yell to its comrades, careful, a lion. Next page. But a modern human can tell her friends that this morning near the bend in the river, she saw a lion tracking a herd of bison. She can then describe the exact location, including the different paths leading to the area. With this information, the members of her band can put their heads together and discuss whether they should approach the river, chase away the lion and hunt the bison. A second theory agrees that our unique language has evolved as a means of sharing information about the world. But the most important information that needed to be conveyed was about humans, not about lions or bison. Our language evolved as a way of gossiping. Next page. According to this theory, Homo sapiens is prim primarily a social animal. Social cooperation is our key for survival and reproduction. It is not enough for individual men and women to know the whereabouts of lions and bison. It's much more important for them to know who in their band hates whom, who is sleeping with whom, who is honest and who is a cheat. The amount of information that one must obtain and store in order to track the ever-changing relationships of even a few dozen individuals is staggering. In a band of 50 individuals, there are 1,225 one-on-one -on -one relationships and countless more complex social combinations. All apes show a keen interest in social information, but they have trouble gossiping effectively. Neanderthals and archaic Homo sapiens probably also had a hard time talking behind each other's backs, a much maligned ability, which is in fact essential for cooperation in large numbers. The new linguistic skills that modern sapiens acquired about 70 millennia ago enabled them to gossip for hours on end. Reliable information about who could be trusted meant that small bands could expand into larger bands and sapiens could develop tighter and more sophisticated types of cooperation. The gossip theory might sound like a joke, but, innumer but numerous studies support it. Even today, the vast majority of human communication, whether in the form of emails, phone calls or newspaper columns, is really gossip. It comes so naturally to us that it seems as if our language evolved for this very purpose. Do you think that history professors chat about the reasons for the First World War when they meet for lunch, or that nuclear physicists spend their coffee breaks at scientific conferences talking about quarks? Sometimes. But more often they gossip about the professor who caught her husband cheating, or the quarrel between the head of the department and the dean, or the numerous rumours that a colleague used his research funds to buy a Lexus. Gossip usually focuses on wrong wrongdoings. Humorongers are the original fourth estate. Journalists who inform society about and thus protect it from cheats and freeloaders. Most likely, both the gossip theory and the there is a lion near the river theory are valid. Yet the truly unique feature of our language is not its ability to transmit information about men and lions. Rather, it's the ability to transmit information about things that do not exist at all. As far as we know, 
Only sapiens can talk about the entire about the entire kinds of entities that they have never seen, touched, or smelled. Legends, myths, gods, and religions appeared for the first time with the cognitive revolution. Many animals and human, human species could previously say, careful, a lion. Thanks to the cognitive revolution, Homo sapiens acquired the ability to say, the lion is the guardian spirit of our tribe. This ability to speak about fictions is the most unique feature of sapiens language. It's relatively easy to agree that Homo sapiens can speak about things that don't really exist and believe six impossible things before breakfast. You can never convince a monkey to give you a banana by promising him limit, limitless bananas after death in monkey heaven. But why is it important? After all, fiction can be dangerously misleading or distracting. People who go to the forest looking for fairies and unicorns would seem to have less of a chance of survival than people who go looking for mushrooms and deer. And if you spend hours praying to non-existing guardian spirits, aren't you wasting precious time better spent foraging, fighting, and fornicating? However, fiction has enabled us not merely to imagine things, but to do so collectively. We can weave common myths such as the biblical creation story, the dreamtime myths of the Aboriginal Australians, and the nationalist myths of modern states. Such myths give sapiens the unprecedented ability to cooperate flexibly in large numbers. Ants and bees can also work together in huge numbers, but they do so in, very, in a very rigid manner, and only with close relatives. Wolves and chimpanzees cooperate far more flexibly than ants, but they can do so only with a small number of other individuals that they know intimately. Sapiens can cooperate in, in extremely flexible ways with countless numbers of strangers. That's why sapiens rule the world, whereas ants eat our leftovers and chimps are locked up in zoos and research laboratories. So that's a passage from Sapiens, which when I read it, of course, there's many things that I disagree with. Um, I don't buy into and I don't hold the belief of um, of human evolution in the same complete way that he does. So I'm not reading this saying that I completely subscribe to all of his ideas, but I'm reading it because he has some very interesting reflections on what is unique about our human language and how our grammar and our vocabulary and, our, and the topics which we have available in our language is all tied around the way we communicate about each other. And near the end of the passage, he talked about how we have the capacity to talk about things that we cannot touch. You know, he kind of... I think he makes a, a jump to a conclusion that they therefore do not exist, in a sense. I think he makes that, that argument, which I don't, right? But, um, you know, it should, we should also understand, like I've watched, preview, I've watched kind of subsequent interviews with, um, with the author of Sapiens, where he talks about the idea of myths. He, used the, he uses the term myths, and when we hear a myth, it's kind of implied that it's not true, right? But I, I think it's more the case that, um, that Harari actually doesn't care if it's true or not. It's more, it's a myth in the sense that it's something that humans will buy in, that can buy into collectively without, um, without, what would you call it, like empirical evidence necessarily. But he brought up some really interesting things in there. He talked about actually how ants and bees can communicate in a very rigid manner with lots of their own kind, right, that are, that are actually related to them. And also many birds actually have a capacity to communicate in ways that are actually, actually exceed our linguistic capabilities. He said that actually a parrot and many other types of birds, they actually have, they actually have vocal abilities that far exceed ours. They can make sounds that mimic car engines and, um, and doorbells and sirens and things like that, right? And something which I thought was really interesting about it is those two categories are represented in the Qur'an. There's only two animals that communicate with language in the Qur'an that's quoted, and one of them is an ant and the other one's a bird. 
So we actually have those two sides of like linguistic and language capability represented in the Quran. And they're actually represented really close to one another. It's, it's all in Surah An-Naml, the, the, chap, the chapter of the ants. And it's all obviously around the Prophet Sulaiman because he's the only one of the prophets. Um, other than there are some ahadith that, that, that refer to the Messenger of Allah, the final Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Um, communicating with animals, but in those cases, I believe it's always to do with that, that animal complaining about mistreatment, right? Like that's, you know, one of, one of the roles, I suppose, of, of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is, is making us better guardians over animals as well, because, you know, that, that, that's what those ahadith are there for. That's what we, that's benefit that we get from those ahadith is that we, we learn to have more compassion towards the animals that are under our protection. But to bring it back to the Quran, you know, we have in the um, in the story of the Prophet Sulaiman salam, I believe it's actually the ant that communicates first, where um, he comes to the valley of the ant, valley of the ants, and we hear وَقَالَتِ النَّمْلَ يَا أَيَّتُهَا النَّمْلَ تُوِي يَا أَيُّهَا النَّمْلُ دُخُلُوا مَسَاكِنَكُمْ لَا يَحْطِمَنَّكُمْ سُلَيْمَانُ وَجُنُودُهُ وَهُمْ لَا يَشْعُرُونَ We hear the ant say to, oh, to the ants, يَا أَيَّتُهَا النَّمْلَ oh, oh, the ants. Um, uh, yeah, go back into your homes, okay? Go back into your homes for Suleiman and his army may crush you by mistake. Um, go back into your homes, لا يحطمنكم. So that Suleiman, so that, so that they will not crush you, Suleiman, وهم لا يشعرون. Suleiman and his, and his soldiers, literally. وهم لا يشعرون. And they're unaware of it, right? And we know that Suleiman understands this because he says, because Allah says afterwards, فَتَبَسَّمَ ضَاحِكًا مِنْ قَوْلِهَا so and and he smiled at her speech. He smiled at what she said. So um, I really love this story, and I, I really love animals generally. So some of you may know that my, my Muslim name is Suleiman, but um, I kind of took that name after I started, you know, the Sam of Somalia channel and stuff like that since. And so I've kind of remained Sam to many people, but my Muslim name is Suleiman, and um, well, one of the reasons is just because I I love animals so much, and it's um, that that's a story that I that I really resonate with in the Quran. But then on the other hand, with the hoopy. The hudhud is um, the only other animal that we actually hear have dialogue, right? Actually speak out outwardly, right? Um, there are other animals in the Quran. There's a there's bumblebees. There's an elephant. There's a whale. There's there's many other animals, right? But the only ones that actually talk is an ant. That you know, as as Harari expresses in his book, ants communicate in a very rigid manner with lots of their own of their own family, actually, and. Birds, some birds, not not all birds, but but some birds that can actually exceed the vocal abilities of humans. And a hudhud, I'm not sure if it's one of those. Uh, you, you should you should look and see what you think. Actually, look, just search for a video of the hoopy. They make these really kind of funny noises. They kind of bob their head up and down. They make this noise when they <laughs> they bob their head up and down. It's a noise that we can't really make. So perhaps it is one of those animals. But but parrots are a more obvious example. Good, so the, the hudhud actually speaks. We hear, فَمَكَثَ غَيْرَ بَعِيدٍ So he, he, he kind of, um, he, he didn't stay for very long. He, like the hudhud came back from going to, um, going to Sebet, right? To see, see, see who Sebet was and, um, and what was going on, right? So, فَمَكَثَ غَيْرَ بَعِيدٍ فَقَالَ أَحَطُّ بِمَا لَمْ تُحِطُّ بِهِ So he comes to him and he says like, basically, I've been made aware of something that you're not aware of. Right, that's 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 essentially what 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 the hudhud is saying. Um, and I've come from sebet with a nebet yaqeen. I've come I've come from sebet with some some certain information, right? Some certain yeah, information. Nebet is news, right? 
Yes, so we actually see those two animals um, communicate vocally in the Qur'an. So that's really everything I wanted to talk about. Um, a long time ago, I read Sapiens a very long time ago, and there was this passage that I highlighted, and before I sold that book recently, um, I made sure I took a picture of those few pages because I knew I'd like to do a reading of it for you guys and illustrate it a little bit with some Islamic perspective as well on what a true blessing language is and whether us humans are really special. And I think it's quite clear that we are, um, you know, that we are quite special in, in our language. And some languages are more special than others, in fact, if they have more of a capacity and more vocabulary for doing the things that language and human language is really for. So that's everything uh, for this episode on the San Martin Burr channel. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. In our next episode, I'm going to be doing a reading or a, an episode around an article that I wrote recently about how to think in Arabic. Um, lots of students ask me about how to think in Arabic, and I put out an article recently which did very well, and the, 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 the companion post on Instagram did well as well. So I think it'd be good to kind of bring that content into my YouTube and podcast audience as well. So we'll absolutely do that, and that'll be out next week. Um, for those of you guys who don't know, um, the Sam of Somalia channel, my Somali language channel, is active now. We have a new series called Marawis Mondays, where I sit wearing a Marawis, which is this. Those of you guys who watch the video, I sit wearing a Marawis and I just teach some Somali every Monday. And on, on, and on the Arabic in 60 Steps YouTube channel as well, we have an, a few new series, actually. Um, every Thursday, we're doing Arabic Q&A on the Arabic in 60 Steps YouTube channel at 3 p.m. UK time. Every Friday, we're doing a new episode of the story of Little Red Riding Hood in Arabic. And uh, yeah, so we're reading like a new paragraph every day, doing a walkthrough, lots of reference to the Arabic in 60 Steps program. It's a really good kind of supplementary resource for students on the program, but it is also very accessible for people who aren't. It's also good for people who aren't on the program. And then also on Saturdays, we're doing just more general Arabic in 60 Steps stuff. I might answer a question that students have sent in. I may talk about something specific about the 60 Steps program, something that makes the program unique. Um, new updates about what we're offering and things like that. We do that on Saturdays. So the days that you need in your diary are for Somali stuff, Sam of Somalia channel, Mondays for Marawis Mondays. Sam Martin Burr channel for episodes like this on Wednesdays. Um, and then Arabic in 60 Steps channel for um, Thursdays, live Q&A at 3 p.m. Fridays, Arabic reading of Little Red Riding Hood. That'll be in the evenings in the UK time. We'll aim for like 6 p.m., something like that. And then on Saturdays as well, maybe in the afternoons, we'll have episodes about the Arabic in 60 Steps program. So those are the days that you need in the diary. And uh, that's everything for now. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu.